Okay, I'm I'm about to go back in now. Bring back. All right, so we're, we're back, back with the collective. Uh, I, I said I was going to do a brief intro of my photos, and I'm going to go over just real quickly why each of them are here. Tom Hill, I grew up with in South Brunswick, went to middle school and high school together. Um, all three of these guys essentially are good thinkers and good communicators. Tommy, I played basketball with in high school, and Tommy has a great mind. You already know. Tommy has a great mind for sports and and for music, and um, I think people will learn that his perspectives are passionate. And he is very adamant about what he thinks and what he believes. And um, all these guys are like are like family. And so I've known Tommy for a while, and um, I'm, I appreciate his presence. I've got Lawrence and Jason Reels, the brothers. Um, I met these guys just well more than a few years ago. Um, Jason, I played basketball with in college for a few years. Um, a great, great mind for basketball. Another passionate mind for basketball and for music. Um, one of the main reasons why Jason is here for the music side is because he is a, um, a lyrical surgeon. Jason will listen to the same song for two days straight just so we can get all the lyrics down. And uh, I appreciate his presence as well and his knowledge. I've got Lawrence Reels, Jason's little brother, and a good friend, me. Lawrence is another great mind for music and just another great thinker in general. Um, his perspectives are his own and are usually no one else's. And um, I appreciate his, his presence and his mind here as well. <laughs> so, with that being said, um, I think we can. I think we're good to get started here um, with our first topic. And I think I think there's a little feedback here. We're going to try to work through that as we go along. So, so it's all our weekend, as everybody here knows, we were just talking about it. Um, last night, at the Rising Star game, the BBVA, and uh, and the Celebrity game. Did you guys watch the Celebrity game at all? No. I, mean, I, I watched some of it. I watched Kevin Hart run around. Oh, Kevin Hart in the video. MVP. Yeah, I saw him. For <laughs> some reason or another, he looked like he actually knew what he was doing. Well, he was in a last year, and he played really well. But he, but he, can, he knows how to play basketball. He had to play at like high school level or something like that, at least. But, yeah, no, he can play. 
Okay, so we're still here trying to work through some minor feedback issues, so we can uh, so we can get through this a little bit smoother. Weekend for the NBA, and 
It also happens to be Michael Jordan's 50th birthday tomorrow. They've been talking about it on ESPN all week, Sports Center. So, the first thing we're going to talk about is the speculating question people talk about as of late and just in recent memory. Did Michael Jordan actually and effectively make a comeback to the NBA at 50 years old? I don't. I, I, I don't think I should start this. So I'm going to give the floor to Jason and let him and let him answer this question first. Okay, so we are uh, we're talking about possibly the greatest athlete of all time, regardless of sport. Um, he's literally revolutionized sports in 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 every sense of it, as far as making money, building a brand, being your brand, um, winning more in order to make your brand better. So we're not talking about an ordinary guy who was okay in the NBA or, or an average player by any means. We're talking about the greatest. So when you put when you put things into context and you think about the timing of when he would be coming back now, the way the game has changed and evolved, it's it's honestly very hard to 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 say what exactly he could do right now, but this is Michael Jordan we're talking about here. So you know, he just just his tenacity, his his competitiveness, and to go along with the gifts that he was blessed with way before some of these guys in the NBA were even born. Um, you know, I think he could still be an effective player. I think he could. I think he could help a team. Obviously, he's not. He's not going to be old Mike because he's an old Mike. But I think there's no doubt that he could still <laughs> be somewhat effective, even if it's getting every call every time he goes to the basket because the refs are so in awe that there's Michael Jordan on the floor again. <laughs> I, I think just based off of how he would be refereed. He can still give the effective and, and, and score 15 points a game and have eight of them come from the free throw line, and then uh, and, and then just pulling some old school old head tricks, a couple head fakes, ball fake, head fake, up your chest. So that's an interesting topic. It's it's it's, it's interesting to think about. Um, I don't know, Tommy. What do you what do you think about it? Uh, I think without a doubt. I mean, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just keep it simple. Um, if he had, if he put his mind to it, I think Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time, can do whatever he wanted to do. But the thing I would have to put in is he would have to go to a to a contender. Let's say, um, let's say, let's put him on uh, Miami right now. Play him 15 minutes a game. Uh, he, he all he has to do is close out the games. I mean, LeBron don't got to worry about nothing no more. You know, <laughs> the big question: Can LeBron close? I mean, he he got it last year with his finals, his first round. But uh, he he would be good. He would just have to facilitate the MJ. MJ played about 15 minutes a game. You know, I mean, he would it would take him about if if he really put his mind to it. I believe it would take him about a month, month and a half to get him back in the shape. He's 50 years old. We got we got to keep that. I mean, that that's got to be known right there. 50 years old, it's gonna be tough for his knees to get moving again. So I give him a, a couple months in the gym, 
playing about 15 minutes a night on a, on a contender, and no doubt he can make a comeback. Like like that. Straight like that. You talking? I mean, we're talking about MJ. I mean, this guy came back at 40 and was still averaging 21 a game on the Wizards, being their key player. So this is only 10 years removed. This is the, I mean, the greatest competitor we've ever seen. And in all sports, you know? Okay, so, okay. okay, so we're, we're going to start. Well, let me talk about where this where this is really coming from. Just last week, Anton Jameson from from my Lakers um, was quoted saying, I wouldn't doubt that in the right situation with a LeBron or a Kobe on his team, he – referring to Michael, could get you about 10 or 11 points, come in and play 15 to 20 minutes. He went on to talk about Michael's physical abilities and getting back into shape, and no doubt he would have to kick that abysmal cigar habit. <laughs> so, okay, so I looked at Dikembe Mutombo played till he was, what, 42, uh, Parrish, Robert Parrish played to what, 43. And though, no doubt the game today is more advanced and more athletic. And for those guys back then, playing till they were that old may not have been as difficult. Um, but I'm under the mindset that if Robert Parrish could put himself through the physical torment of playing basketball up and down the court at 43 years old, there is no reason why Michael Jeffrey Jordan could not come back in the league right now at 50 years old and average, I don't know, give him, I'll give him 10 or 11 points. I'll give him three or four rebounds and three or four assists. <laughs> Steal, probably, probably a block. They're not going to call it on him now. So he'll be the only one hand-checking, swinging people's hips around, and they got they go wherever he wants them to go. Get that bread. Right. Up. Right. And what people, well, what most people may not take time to really recognize is the fact that Michael Jordan was a supreme post player. I mean, we're talking about the turnaround fadeaway, which he made his, his signature move. Um, his operation out of the post was at sometimes better than, than the post players he played against. So at 50 years old, if he trimmed down, if he were to get back to his, to his game weight, as he, as he says he's trying to do, get back to 218, uh, let's say he does come back at 50. Michael Jordan could operate directly out of the post and make plays for, for, for other guys. I agree that the situation would have to be right. I think Tommy's right. I think Tuan is right. He would have to be... With the right, with the right cast, probably with another superstar like a, a Kobe or LeBron. But if you throw Michael Jordan the ball in the post at age 50, I think he gets you either two free throws or a basket eight times out of ten. Are you saying he's trying to get back into shape? Well, there, Wright Thompson from ESPN the magazine just did a, a profile story 
um, for Mike on his first 50th birthday. She spent a week with Michael in, in Charlotte in his in his penthouse and um, just sharing his experiences with him watching basketball games. And Michael said it himself. He said he is trying to get back down to 218, back to his playing weight for whatever reason that may be. Does he have, <laughs> does he does he have, have motive to come, to come back? back? We, don't, we don't really know. Maybe he's trying to get a few more to make sure Kobe doesn't catch him. So he's going to get he's going to go to Miami and get two of LeBron. And then LeBron won't catch him, and then Kobe won't catch him either. So, like, then he can really rest in peace and just chill out and finally get out of the limelight. I think I think he's so used to being the guy that it's hard for him not to be the guy. And he and he 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 was going through somewhat of an an identity crisis after he was done, and I feel like that's why he came back in the the, the second time and played for the Wizards was because when that's what you when when you're that much invested into something, and that's what you actually do, and that's what you're known for. Well, that's taken away. Then, then what are you? Then you're a GM, not a very good one at this point. So, why not go back to what you do best, and that is play basketball. Period. So, there could there could be some there could be some some trouble that he might be going through mentally trying to find a new identity when he doesn't he never wanted to give up the one that he had as the guy in sports. Must be difficult. It, it has to be. And I would encourage um everyone uh, every last one of you would appreciate Wright Thompson's profile article on, on Michael. It was truly masterful. I mean we're talking about I mean we're I mean he's got everything from Michael from feeling borderline immortal when he was in his late 20s, early 30s, to all the way up to his his, his direct thoughts on LeBron, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute. Um, but it really, in a great story, um, it, it'll be published in ESPN the magazine next week. Um, but Wright Thompson just did a phenomenal job. I think, I think everyone here would appreciate that. Um, all right, so from there, we're going to segue into um, our next topic, uh, which – I mean, rebounds right off of what we're talking about with with Michael Jordan. Um, The whole LeBron and Mike comparison. I think we need to. I think I think we need to address it as best we can. And the question I wrote up for my co-host today, the question that that I really wanted to ask and kind of unpack is: Are we ready to say that LeBron or Kobe or Heck, maybe Kevin Durant is or will be better than Michael Jordan was. Um, this is uh, we can take this so many different ways, right? I mean, there's the one-on-one discussion where Magic said that Mike would win ten out of ten one-on-one games if he played against LeBron one-on-one. The, there's the Dream Team USA discussion. We could take this different ways, but I want to I want to strictly stick to comparing Kobe or LeBron as basketball players in terms of what they're capable of, in terms of what they have or, or might achieve in the future against against Michael Jordan. So I want to start with Tommy here. I want to see what, I want to see what Tommy has to say about this. This is, this is probably one of the hardest questions I've, I've had to answer as far as basketball-wise. Uh, growing up as all-time fan of Jordan, you know, favorite player, but um, to answer this question, i got to start off by saying you take Kobe Bryant. 
you're trying to compare him first and foremost. He's a guy who's won five championships. He has he has what does he have? Two MVPs, two Finals MVPs, and he and Shaq had the other three of his five. Mike had all six of his. So that's why I take Kobe out of the equation. He plays just like Mike from a skill set um, perspective, exactly down to the same way as Mike. The both six championships, six Finals MVPs. That's what Mike gets it over Kobe for me. With LeBron. You know, it took him a little while to get with Cleveland. I'm not even going to get into what I thought about those Cleveland teams that the Cleveland team that he did take to the finals because that team was was worse than the, the team Iverson took to, to the finals back in 2001. But LeBron, he got to the finals. He lost to, to the Mavericks when he was with Miami. They got the super team down in Miami. But this past year, especially this, this past six-game stretch that we just seen right now, him shooting over 60% from the field, this this is Michael Jordan-esque right now. We got to really appreciate what's going on right now. The way this guy is dominating the game, the way he has control over everything on the floor, I would say that LeBron is on the path to be that of Michael Jordan's caliber or surpassing. That's where I would go on that. Um, what y'all pick up from there? All right, so... This is this is the most difficult discussion in basketball right now. Um, I guess I'll start off by saying that there there is one Michael Jeffrey Jordan, and uh, there will forever be only one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So nobody's going to eclipse Michael. <laughs> I just can't see it in our in our in our in our time here. I don't think anybody will ever eclipse Michael Jordan. Like like Tommy said, six six rings, six MVPs. He didn't he didn't really need a sidekick. He just happened to have a pretty nice one with Scottie Pippen. It was it was it was his will to win that won six championships. So um, to compare him, Kobe, I like more than LeBron, and I I I see the comparisons between Kobe and Mike more than I see him between Mike and LeBron because Kobe is is as fiery as Mike was. Maybe just he didn't snuff his teammates like Mike did and just like like tell you about yourself in front of everyone. Kobe he he's getting there, but he's not quite as ferocious as Mike was. But Kobe's edge is what I favor over over LeBron as far as someone getting close to Mike. And LeBron is doing things right now that he is he's blocked up everything that he wanted again. Um he has his team in position to win another championship and he is on his way to another MVP award and he's playing lights out. He's playing out of his mind. And uh he's so much different of a player than Mike that even if he gets the rings to put himself in the conversation with Mike. It's still going to be hard to compare the two, um, but it's it's all it's all going to come down to who wins more championships between Kobe and LeBron. Um, I think MVPs are important, Finals MVPs are important, but um, I just think it's going to take both of them a lot to be Michael Jordan, and then then that's pretty much it. I'll swing it back to Molly. Okay, so 
for the most part, I agree with both of you. I think both, what both of you said was was on point and was and was factually correct. So I guess I I, I want to I guess I want to ask first. Let me ask for for both of you actually. I want to, Jamel Hill from ESPN, um, popular writer, uh, is on ESPN. Uh, is a great columnist for ESPN as well. As this discussion ensued. This past week, she went on Twitter and chose to weigh in her thoughts. Jamel Hill tweeted and is seemingly under the impression that people are so attached to the idea of Michael Jordan as the solidified greatest player of all time that if, say, LeBron were to go on and win, let's say, seven championships and, and, and seven MVPs, that people still would not feel comfortable putting LeBron ahead of Michael if he were to eclipse the six championships and the MVPs and all that. Jamel Hill feels that people are are that strongly attached to Michael Jordan. And I think she couldn't be more wrong about this. I mean, what LeBron was quoted recently saying, you know, in response to Michael's comments about LeBron, which he's, said in the past before that he would take Kobe over LeBron, that five beats one every time. So Michael makes the comment, and LeBron responds with the, the, the argument I've heard so much that, that championships don't define your career, which, of course, it's true. You've got your Reggie Millers and your Charles Barkley's and your, and your John Stockton's and your Carl Malone's, and, and the list goes on. But Ultimately, what it comes down to is not only your your stats and and eye test of of how good you look or how good you were on the court, but ultimately, if you're dominating if you're dominating your era, you're winning championships. So, okay, so Michael makes his comment about LeBron, and, and LeBron, you know, shoots back and says his little thing about championships and whatever. So, okay, the big picture. If we're making the comparison. I don't, I don't think there should even be a hint of discussion about LeBron versus Michael. If there's any comparison to be had, it's between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Because as Jay said, Kobe is is Michael, not necessarily 2.0, but more like a, a 1.5 kind of, if you will. He, he emulated his game, everything about Kobe except his three-point shooting, which Kobe easily has the upper hand on Michael. Everything else is Michael when you watch Kobe. And you throw on top the five championships, the three with Shaq and, and then two, you know, two without Shaq. The only comparison to be had is, is it Kobe or is it Mike until LeBron proves otherwise and, and solidifies himself. Now, that is yet to be seen. But to Jamel Hill, I say you could not be more wrong because if LeBron James goes on to win this year and, and – more championships, if he eclipses the six championships and the MVPs, there can be no argument as to who. LeBron James, Michael Jordan will become the ultimate afterthought if LeBron were to eclipse the championships and the MVPs. And and I, I just, I don't think I'm wrong here. Agreed. Um, this is a, they're still playing a team sport. And the coaches that win the most rings are always seen as the the alpha dog, like Phil Jackson is arguably the best coach in NBA history because he has 10-11 rings. So 
if if that's what you're playing for, and somebody else has more than you, and dominated like Michael did in that fashion, then you can't you can't. There's no argument. There there really isn't an argument. It's not people hanging on to Michael. Like if 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 and if people are hanging on to Michael, it's because he gave us a good reason to hang on. He 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 won six championships. He took he won a couple, took a break, played baseball, and decided to come back and win some more. It, it it was it was literally you can't you couldn't have written it any better than what he did it. So if there are people that are latching on to to Michael, there's a reason for it, and the reason is that he won six championships. So LeBron could LeBron could rewrite the history books for individual achievements and only have three rings, and he's still going to be number two on the list. That's that's just it. Okay, well, my thing is um, I do I do definitely understand everybody's arguments and, and where they're coming from and how, how they came to the conclusions they did. But um, I think one thing that, that – could be kind of overlooked is is the intangible factor. It's 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 not the actual like downright skill or or any sort of like performance ability, but it's 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 the drive. And I think that's what Martin is talking about when he says that Kobe is more comparable to Mike because he has that like kind of fire. I feel like I feel like Rajesa said that, that there there was a fire that Kobe had that we've kind of seen LeBron lack, especially at the beginning of his career, especially with those Cleveland teams where he would get down in the series. I mean, we saw it in Boston where he got down in game five and really had a terrible performance. And that's kind of the type of thing that we won't see from a Mike or a Kobe. But I feel like if we're going to talk about just pure basketball players, like skill-wise, who's going to be the best. I think that it it is almost foolish to not say that LeBron has to be a, a very high very highly considered because of everything that he offers. It's not only it's not only the scoring ability or the defense, it's it's the assist, it's the rebounds. He's everywhere. He's everywhere and he like I mean we once compared him, we once said that he was like a created basketball player in one of our video games where you can just put all of the attributes all the way up. Like he kind of he kind of offers a little bit of that and we've seen it we've seen it, we've seen it sputter a little bit. But I mean especially this last 10 game stretch where he's shooting over 60% besides from a few nights ago and where he shot 59%. And he's shooting over 60% averaging 30 points a game, eight and seven. Like he does everything. And and that goes on top of the fact that he's six nine, two hundred 260 pounds, quite possibly the fastest player in the NBA, quite possibly has the best vertical in the NBA. Like we're talking about the total package. And I, I, I do definitely understand the rings debate. Like he, he has to, in order to to really get up there to where everyone's going to have to put him in that category, he's going to need a few more championships. And I think that he will get that. I think that he was highly criticized for the move to Miami, but it, it, it's put him where he needs to be. Like, I think personally right now he is set up to possibly eclipse the six-ring mark. I mean, if you look at what he has around him, if you look at what he has around him and what he's done, he's only getting better. Like, we haven't seen – we haven't – I would say that we haven't seen LeBron hit his peak yet. 
Like he he's still he's still getting better day by day. So I feel like I feel like if we're going to talk about pure playing and pure skill, it, it's it's crazy to not say that LeBron is going to be there. And I'm going to go to Tommy right now because I know he'll agree with this. I believe what Al just said right there is LeBron might go down as the greatest player of all time. And, I mean, I can't disagree with that, but. As far as the question of his name being bigger than Michael Jordan, I'm going to put it like this. What if LeBron, he wins two more of Miami, and he goes back to Cleveland and wins and wins four more? What what happens then? Because to, this, is how, this is how I'm looking at it. Mike won six with Chicago, six MVPs. Kobe... Like I was saying before, three, Shaq had the finals MVP, he has two. LeBron has, I think LeBron, I mean, I mean, yeah, that being said with Kobe, that's why he can't be Mike. Well, LeBron, he left Cleveland to go to Miami. I think that's where he can't be compared to, to Mike either because Mike stayed with the Chicago Bulls. He changed, he changed the whole era of basketball with one team. Nobody, nobody's ever really done that, and that's where this really conflicts me. Because if you just, if you just comparing them at from a skill set standpoint, that's completely, that's a different question. Because you know what LeBron offers, he does everything. Like he was like uh, El was saying, video game player does everything, but he didn't do it with just one team, and that's where I think he he will get lost in the Michael Jordan factor because Mike was the ultimate team. Ultimate champion, you know. It's just it's hard to compare somebody to Mike. Okay. Okay. So um, before we get to our very first caller, um, I'm excited to see who this is. Apparently, it's some it's one of ours. Um, but before we get there, I. Here, here's why I'm, I'm somewhat uncomfortable. And if I'm if I'm going to be the 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 and I, I think for the most part at surface level we all are in agreement here. But in terms of the compare, in terms of the skill level, I, LeBron James is is probably the best passer I've ever seen. Um, at six nine, being able to see over the top of those defenses, his vision, his his precision, probably the best passer I've ever seen. Rebounding, all the I mean, the attributes are are immense. But for me, I, I'm only comfortable as of right now saying that LeBron James is hands down, and this is undebatable, right? He's the best athlete we've ever seen. He's the most athletic specimen we've ever seen, and. And it shows in in his game. I mean, uh, he's he's not he's not the most prolific scorer. I mean, he does a little bit of everything. But essentially, the 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 crux of LeBron James and his game as a basketball player is is attributed to his extreme athletic ability. Michael Michael he was six six, two fifteen, two twenty. You know, he came in kind of scrawny. If you're talking about straight skill. I mean, look at the shot chart. Michael said in his in in, in this write up. I'm going to keep referring to this to this Wright Thompson write up. Michael was watching LeBron with with Wright Thompson. They they were watching a game of LeBron together. And listen to what LeBron said as he's watching the game. He says, 
I study LeBron. I study his game. When LeBron goes right, he usually drives. When he goes left, he usually shoots a jumper. It has to do with his mechanics and how he loads the ball for release. So if I'm going to guard him, Jordan says, I'm going to push him left so nine times out of ten he's going to shoot a jump shot. If he goes right, he's going to the hole, and I can't stop him. So I'm not letting him go right. For the rest of the game, this is Wright Thompson writing about watching this game with Michael in his house. For the rest of the game, when LeBron gets the ball and starts his move, Jordan will call out some variation of drive or shoot. It's not just LeBron. He sees fouls the officials miss, and the replays prove him right. When someone shoots, he, all, he knows immediately whether it's going in. He calls out what guys are going to do before they do it, more plugged into the flow of the game than some of the players on the court. He's answering texts buried in his phone. When the play-by-play guy announces a LeBron jump shot, without looking up, Jordan says, left. So I do a little more digging. I see a shot chart of LeBron James for 2013 up to the game in Oklahoma City just two nights ago. It's the shot chart. Look. LeBron has taken 175 two-point jump shots on the left side of the floor. On the right side, I'll let you take a a guess, 87 two-point jump shots on the right side of the floor as opposed to 175 two-pointers on the left side. So statistically, it indicates that LeBron gets to the rim more often when he goes right. And this isn't isn't a mystery. I mean, anyone who's really watched him will know this. But look, look, he shoots 73% when he gets to the rim, 40% when he takes a two-point jumper from the left side of the court. So if Michael Jordan is able to point out the number one flaw in LeBron James' game right now as he is peaking, there's nothing we can do but hope that LeBron will eventually one day reach the the pinnacle that is Michael Jordan. Um, So I'll wrap up there, but we need to get to our caller right now. Um, let's, Let's bring him in right now. What's up? You're on the collective. Yo, it's good to be on the collective, baby. <laughs> What's your name, man? Where you where you coming from? Yo, I'm coming from Holmes, PA, dog. Holmes, PA, baby. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. I know. I know a little something about Holmes, PA. It's it's good to have you. I'm pretty sure this is Chris Myers, my 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 old friend, Chris Myers. Marley, what's up, baby? <laughs> what's up, baby? I'm glad you called, man. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, really like what you guys are doing, man. Hey, thank you, man. We appreciate it. You got something for this discussion we're having? Yes, yeah, I think it's like this, Marley. Um, Break it down. One, can't compare Kobe to Jordan because he's not Jordan. He's a hybrid. He's Mike, and he's magic. So oh. I don't think the game has seen that before. And Kobe is more of the of the cut of a of a Mike. Same build, same killer instinct, not as much flair. But LeBron is a little bit of both. He's a hybrid. Now, if you're going to rate him, it's still Mike number one. But number two, Allen Iverson, baby. <laughs> Listen, Chris, we've got, we've got a co-host here who is a, who is a diehard Sixers fan, and he agrees with you 1,000%. <laughs> you know, but, yo, just just calling in, support the program, all right? Keep doing your thing. The we man. appreciate it. The Thanks man. for calling in, man. All right, man. God bless you guys. I'll talk to you. All right, all right. Pal, Thanks. So that was Chris Myers. 
Um, that was Chris Myers. We we all most of us know Chris from uh, from from college. One of our good friends. We're gonna go to a commercial right now, and we'll come back with uh, with our next topic. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, Okay, we're back with the collective. Um, I'm your host, Martin Torres. I've got my co-hosts here, Tommy Hill, Lawrence Reels, Jason Reels. We are all in the building. This is the first pilot episode for the collective. Um, we're just having a good old time. We just finished our first topic on the Michael Jordan debate. We just had our first caller, and 
it looks like things are rolling from here. So we're going on to our next topic to kind of rebound from where we just went. At the time I made this question, it may have been a better question than it is right now. <laughs> given given the given the 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 events from this past week or two, if you've been watching basketball at all, you are aware of the complete obliteration that LeBron James has been putting on teams. Um, he's on literally a historic record and doing something that nobody has ever seen in basketball before. So the question is who, <laughs> and like I said, this may not be a great question right now, but for everybody, who is who is your MVP right now? Give me give me your MVP, and I guess tell me why. Um, coming into this question, I was obviously going to say LeBron James has stolen the reins, but um, uh, playing the point guard position my whole life, I'm gonna take it out west and give it to my man CP3 right now. Um, you look at what they were doing before they got him. He, I believe that he changed that entire franchise. He had um, they were number one in the West for the majority of the season. Uh, they had a, I think it was maybe a ten game slide when uh, when he went out of the lineup. So what he means to that team right there, I would have to give it to Chris Paul because most valuable player. And you saw his value loss when he was out of the lineup, and I would have to, yeah, give the CP3 right now. That would be my guy. All right. Well, when we're talking about MVP, like Martin said, I mean, uh, there's a certain guy down in Miami that's made a pretty clear-cut case for himself as of this week. If, if the MVP award was to be handed out today, I think we could all pretty much go out on a limb and say that it would go to LeBron James. And I mean, it is, and I'm not saying that with a tone as if he doesn't deserve it, because he definitely does. He's, he's done everything this year. He's, he's been everywhere. And I mean, synergy shooting from the floor, from three-point range, he's doing it all. But um, I think I think my wild card I would probably throw in there, it's not much of a wild card, but it, it's Kevin Durant. I feel like... If he can, if he can make some noise the second half of the season after the All Star breakout West and and really like solidify the Thunder as the top dogs going into the playoffs in the West, I think he has to be up for consideration. Uh, thinking of what he lost in James Harden, which means he had to pick up a lot more of a load. We all know how much of a cannon Russell Westbrook can be sometimes. He's he's all over the place, so having to put up with that. But I think if he can. He, I mean, he still he still has the most points in basketball this season right now, and I don't necessarily see that changing. He's on his way to a fourth straight scoring title. I think that he, it's about time that he gets some consideration for the award. But we're gonna swing it to Jason, get his pick. Uh, this is a uh, this is an easy answer, ladies and gentlemen. LeBron, Ramon, James is the MVP of the NBA. That's his middle name, if you didn't know. Yeah, I had to. I'm just, it's, it's that simple. Uh, over the last 10 games, 62% from the floor, eight rebounds, six assists, 31 points. This is, this is not even a debate at this point, ladies and gentlemen. It was a debate, like Martin said, a, a, a few weeks ago. Um, LeBron James will win back-to-back MVPs, and it'll be rather 
easy to vote for. I mean, there are people that are having tremendous years. Uh, obviously, Chris Paul has been tremendous. Uh, Kevin Durant has also been tremendous. Um, even even some guys, James Harden. There, we, we've had we we have some guys in here who are worthy of it and possibly could have won it if it wasn't this year with LeBron playing at the level that he's playing at. He's he's playing out of his mind. If you played basketball before. You know, you during the course of a season, you have stretches where it's, you know, you're playing okay and then you're playing really well for games. And, you know, you if, you, if you're good enough, you'll stay fairly consistent. This guy is, his consistent is better than 90% of the league and his on fire is untouched. He, he dominates games. He, he, he's a point forward who can literally get to the rim at will. With shooters that Miami put around him, there is nothing that anyone can do. Like, I love uh, – Michael Jordan might have to come back, being that he's got him down, and guard him because nobody else is going to be able to do it. Physically, physically, if you're bigger than him, you're not fast enough, and it's not even close. And if you're smaller than him, then he's going to take you with him up to the rim, and it's going to be a foul. Listen, there's there's nothing that anyone can do with this man right now. And he's playing out of his mind, and I, I can't see him slowing down. And if he does slow down, it's just going to be, okay, he's not averaging 31 and shooting 60%. He's averaging 27 and shooting 55%. He, he's still, he, still going to – his bad is better than everybody else best at this point in the season right now. So I really don't think there's much of a discussion, guys. I, I don't think – I don't think I don't think you can do much with those numbers. Yeah, I agree with um everything Jay was saying. I want to add something back to my original thought. I mean, aside the fact from watch out for those Clippers out west because I think they might be the team that might come out with all them shooters that got around CB3. But you can't forget about. I live in Central Jersey, so I see a lot of Knicks games. You cannot forget about what Carmelo Anthony is doing out in New York. Um, this guy, I've watched him grow as a player, as a leader. And the way his impact on that team, I mean, it has a lot to do with Jason Kidd. They got a lot of veterans, Rasheed Wallace, um, Marcus Canby, uh, Kurt Thomas, you know. But with that team and what Carmelo Anthony is doing, the way he's scoring this year, you cannot forget him in this MVP race. That's what I just wanted to add in. Unfortunately, I think there's going to be a recurring theme with 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 my intake, um, or my input, rather. And I'm okay with that because I have no problem with being the LeBron skeptic on this show. But I'm, I'm going to say this. LeBron James is my MVP right now, and he probably will win MVP, but in my opinion, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Let's look at MVP for a second, the most valuable player. LeBron, LeBron James is clearly the most valuable player on his team. However, it is to the fault of him and his team that that's the case. Well, I'm going to explain when you have someone who is the best scorer, rebounder, assist man, defender, post defender, 
perimeter defender. When, when that's all wrapped up into one one person, sure it sure it exudes extraordinary talent. But at the end of the day, it's to the fault of him and his team. So I'm looking at the big picture. LeBron James probably wins MVP, but I, I think we all, based on what everyone just said, I think we all agree with what Carmelo Anthony was quoted as saying just two days ago, that it's still early. It's the all-star break right now. Miami's on fire. LeBron is completely unconscious as of right now when it comes to the game of basketball. But we still have we still have two months left before we get into postseason play. And, Tommy, you touched on Chris Paul. Um, and and you brought up Melo, who I, who I was you know debating making a case for. Uh, uh, Lawrence brought up Kevin Durant, who who needs to be brought up. And both of these guys have have listen. Carmelo has a franchise record of 31 straight games with 20 plus points this season. 18 games with 30 plus points and five games with 40 or more. Uh, when you talk about being when you talk about being on fire, I don't think anyone gets on fire as quick as Carmelo Anthony. And if the Knicks decide to turn up for the rest of the season and they're number two in the East, which to Tommy's point, uh, Carmelo is almost practically single-handedly responsible for, but, they, you know, they've got other pieces in there. But without Melo's, without Melo's leadership, especially with Amari out, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be second in the East. And, there are other people to consider. And as I, as, you know, back to my original point, LeBron James is my MVP for all the wrong reasons. Yes, he's his, he's his team's most valuable player, but, it, but it's, it's to a fault. It's, it's too much the LeBron show. And, and you know, Dwayne Wade's kind of, he's, he's playing some of his career best numbers in the last, what Jason was saying earlier, he's averaging, what, 25 points in the last, in the last 10 games or something. And, and poor Chris Bosh, but he had 30 points and 11 rebounds the other day, and, and no one's talking about him. So it's, it's LeBron is out of his mind, and that is undebatable. But I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not sold on on the LeBron on just handing LeBron the MVP, and I'm not sold on on Miami riding out this wave into into another championship. Um, but again, that's a conversation for another show. Um, I want to segue now into 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 college basketball as we can for a hot minute. Um, We've had some we've had some extremely interesting developments in the last week, um, most notably rivalry week, and I'll just bring this up because um, I have two North Carolina fans sitting in the room with me, and I have one other Duke fan sitting in the room with me, and I, and and most of us were watching the game together, um, and you know what what was supposed to happen happened. I'll put it that way. You know what I'm saying for my for my Duke Nation people out there. Um, but to but to but to tackle the whole college, yeah, Jason Jason didn't like that. Jason's the UNC fan, so we're we're gonna dive into college basketball real quick though and talk about um, which teams are on our March radars and and who each of us feel at this point from what we've seen who we think deserves to be uh, national player of the year for this year. Um, I think to kind of just to kind of just start it off. Um, just to kind of drive the conversation and, and point out my observations, I think the University of Miami is on everybody's radar right now. Um, anybody who's been watching college basketball has seen has seen what they've done. They t- they took down my my Dukies. They took down uh, your Tar Heels. They took the, I mean they're taking everybody down. They're winning on the road. 
Um, they're deep. They've got fifth-year seniors. I think they have a sixth-year senior, if, if I have that right. Um, um, they're they're playing extremely well, and their their point guard Shane Larkin is really. I mean, he's he's. I really like his game a lot. So uh, let's dive into college hoops real quick, and we're going to go to Jay first for his uh, for his March radar and his pick for national player of the year. Okay. It's been a it's, it's been an interesting year in college basketball so far. Um, the Big East is coming to an end, and it's probably the worst thing to ever happen to college basketball. Possibly um, having that conference break up is uh, is is just a terrible thing. So um, I'll, I'll I'll start. I want to go out to the Big Ten, which has been the best conference in basketball. I would I would I would say this year. Um, Indiana is they have bona fide pros in their backcourt and in their front court. And if you watch college basketball, ladies and gentlemen, that's what wins championships. The teams with multiple pros on their team, like guys that are ready for the league, those are the teams that win championships. Um, it's very rare that you get a team with one pro, um, go take it to the take it to the house. I mean, you know, you have you have teams that can make runs like Davidson and, and and Seth Curry a few years ago and he but he like I said he was the only pro on that team. So there are some teams out here with big time backcourts like Michigan with Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Junior who is a two man who is actually ready for the NBA right now. He has the prototypical two guard NBA body he shoots pull-up jump shots on the dime. He comes off screens and hits threes. He can take it to the front of the rim. He is ready. So um, if I had to pick a favorite right now, I would have to probably go with Indiana. I think they're playing very good basketball. I think they have a few pros on their team that are going to be very good players. And I, uh, I think Tom Crean, their coach, is he finally has the talent at Indiana to take a a legendary program back to the promised land, um, especially with some teams having down years such as Kentucky and um, Duke. So, so uh, player of the year, I would say I love I love point guards and I like four generals. And I just think this kid has everything. And I, I think Trey Burke from Michigan – would get my vote as of right now for player of the year. Um, it's rare to see a, high, a college point guard really control the game off the high pick and roll. And he plays off the pick and roll better than any other point guard in the country. Um, as far as decision-making, scoring off of it, he is he is a floor general who is Damian Lillard-esque, I would say. he could He could possibly have somewhat of an impact when he gets to the league as a Damian Lillard. So I would I would put him definitely to win the best point guard in the nation, but I, I would say he's the he he's my favorite for player of the year this year with Tyler Zeller from Indiana at a close second. Um so yeah, there's some there's some very good players uh this year in college basketball to consider. Um I'm uh, I gotta start this off by saying I'm a I'm an NBA guy, so you know Martin gets on me all the time for not watching much college basketball. So I've been really trying to get on it this year. Um, teams that caught my eye, I look for pros. I mean that's that's why I watch 
basketball because I think the NBA is the highest level. So um, guys come high. I like um, like Macklemore on Kansas. I like the dude uh, Shabazz Muhammad out of UCLA. Um, Doug McDermott, I think his name is. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken from Creighton. Yeah, he's uh, I think he's leading the nation in scoring. Um, those are the guys that I really call my um, teams that are on my radar. You can't ignore, uh, after this past week, Michigan State, what they did to Michigan. Uh, Tom Izzo always got his guys ready when it's uh, come tournament time, so that's a team that I think is catching fire at the right time. Uh, Miami, of course, uh, that team is, is deep. You know, I, I'm not good with names, but I have my assistant. She don't got my, my, my notes with me right now. <laughs> but... Um, Nah, I'm joking, but I, I'm not good with the names. But that team is deep. I really like uh, Larkin, Larkin the point guard. Yeah, he. Um, I like the way he runs the show. I feel like that team got a good chance to make a run come tournament time. Um, another team I would look at as well is Syracuse. Um, I like, you know, the the two three zone they play. It always throws me off because I feel like. Their players are at a disadvantage when they go to the NBA, like Melo, who just likes to score, you know, he has to work on his defense for a long time. But um, I really like their – I just feel like they're, they're long, and they're a team that gets gets after it defensively, and they can make a lot of things happen. So I, I will keep that the Syracuse team on. Uh, that's on my radar, definitely. And my uh, my national player of the year right now um, – you know, I'll, I'll have to give it to the point guard from Miami. Uh, Larkin, right? Larkin, yeah. He um, they're undefeated in conference play. You you, you can't ignore it. They they blew Miami out. I mean, they blew Utah. Excuse me. Um, they blew out UNC. This this just doesn't happen from a Miami basketball side. We're talking about the U here. This, I mean, we're not talking about Edgar and James and all these guys that came. Ed Reed that came from the football side. This is basketball we're talking about here. You know, and um, I just feel like. That, that, that point guard work is that's my national player of the year right now. All right. So anybody that knows me knows that I am a Duke fan. Um, it's been something that's been for a long time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to, to speak from a, as objective as a standpoint as possible. That being said, go Blue Devils. Um Right now on my radar in terms of in terms of watching for March, I think everybody hit the nail on the head when they said Miami. I I am I would say that I am absolutely petrified of Miami. I mean the the experience, the leadership that they have. Uh, Martin mentioned that, that they're all upperclassmen. I mean they have like four seniors that start. So I mean they're they're a team that's been together for four years, has, has had time to build that sort of chemistry, and it's it's made evident. It, it looks like a, a mini Clippers game out there with all the lobs these guys are throwing to each other. They 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 know each other, they play really well together, and they have pros. So I think that they definitely need to be on radar. Uh, Jay mentioned both Indiana and Michigan, two very good basketball teams, very good basketball teams with with. Great leadership with some pros. We got Cody Zeller. We talked about Trey Burke. Tim Hardaway Jr. is another very good perimeter player. Maybe one of the best in the country. Um, I think that in the Big East currently, Syracuse maybe should be the scariest team. Um, 
this will kind of take me to who I'm looking at for a player of the year, but I actually think a good case can be made for Michael Carter-Williams at Syracuse. I mean, he, he's a guy that's very long. He's, I, I feel like he's about 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, and he plays a point guard position. He stretches the floor. He's not a tremendous shooter yet, but he does have the um, – he, he seems to have a green light to be able to take him when he wants. So that it, it seems like he it's something that he's definitely been improving on. He's averaging five rebounds and 11 assists per game, go with four steals. I mean, this is a guy that, that could possibly lead his team to a national championship. I mean, they definitely do have a, a lot of other players there at Syracuse, but I think he should be considered. Um, biased aside, I still think that Mason Plumlee – should be should be in the talks for player of the year. I know that no one wants to hear that. I know that no one wants to hear that, especially uh, I don't know if you guys could hear it, but few um, sighs came in the room from all these UNC fans in here who are a little bit upset. But um, I think that the things that Mason Plumlee has done this year, I mean, Duke has held the number one ranking longer than any team in college basketball this year. We had it for about five weeks, off and on, five or six weeks. I mean, we, he's done a lot without Ryan Kelly. Losing Ryan Kelly is, is has hurt the team, but the, what Mason Plumlee has done cannot be looked over. He's averaging 19.2 points a game, 11.3 rebounds, and about two blocks. I mean, he's, he's, he's all over the place. He's as dominant as a big man that I've seen come through Duke and quite possibly one of the more dominant big mans in the entire country. I mean, he he has he's he's developed a lot. He's worked on his post game. He he has that over the shoulder jump shot now. He's shooting over over seventy percent from the free throw line now, which is a, a lot better than what he was shooting at his freshman and sophomore year. I felt like he was in the fifties. I, I I just don't think he can be overlooked, especially if Duke is a team that's going to to be considered a contender for the national championship. Um, well, my brother keeps looking at me to buzz him in, so I'm going to buzz him in real quick. I feel like he's got something to say about this. You win. So this guy comes on the track. <laughs> and, and, and talks about all this. I'm not. I'm going to try to be objective. In the last 60 seconds, he's talking about Duke out there, a contender, and how Miles – is it Mason Mason Plum. Mason Plum. They're both bad. He, he, he brings this guy up for player of the year consideration. If if you watch college basketball, if you watch He's college there. basketball and you watched the game the other night between Carolina and Duke, you can go shaky, along How much? How shaky is he? You 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 had to see how shaky he was. He James Michael McAdoo was another pro who he was matched up against, and it was like he'd never seen anyone that athletic before in his life. It was it was unbelievable. He could not. He couldn't slide. He couldn't foul enough to keep Michael McAdoo from dunking on him. And, of course, this dude guy is going to bring up Mason Plumlee for Player of the Year award. That is absolutely outrageous. Give me a, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. You said that he was shaky against UNC. Shaky. And, and he looked terrible, but look at the numbers. Duke wins the game, first and foremost. Duke wins the game. So Mason automatically wins that James Michael Duke matchup. And at the same time, this guy had 18 points and 11 rebounds. Like, okay, we, can we? Uh, of course, he doesn't say his percentage. More. He probably went one for eight from the free throw line. 
And then on top of that, he shot six for eight from the free throw line, as a matter of fact, and six for 13 from the team. Can somebody check these numbers? Where did he get these numbers from? He must must be on the Duke's website because they're just trying to help his draft stock. Because he can't be getting this from a a good source. I understand that you do not like Duke, and I I totally respect that because I do not like Duke. No, no, no. Let me me say something. Let me say something. Numbers don't. These are numbers here. These are numbers here. All right, we can talk about the Duke Carolina thing. We when can, Duke we has okay. when Duke has good players, I, I, as a Carolina fan, I appreciate that. Kyrie Irving, problem. He is terrific. He a pro that was supposed to be a pro and supposed to do what he did. These Duke guys think that these mediocre players are just going to come in and because they have Duke on the front of their shirt and they can and they can make a turnaround hook shot in the post once every winning. fifteen minutes. We're they, winning. Like, they, they, should, they should go to the We're room. winning. It's We're unbelievable. It's this an, unbelievable. It's, it's, this is the number two college basketball team in the country right now. Like, you're making it sound like there's some sort of mid-major school that just get okay players. When we have we have one of the top high school prospects in the last ten years coming in next He's year. He's talking about – is he talking about people that are not playing? Yes. Is he talking about recruits? Mason Plumlee. Not just you're talking about recruits. Mason Plumlee isn't an gentlemen. NBA player is what you're trying to tell me? No, he's not an NBA yeah, that player. Is, that is that is that is false. Uh, I okay, maybe Callahan's an NBA player, so I'll give him. He can he can be so on the roster. So He'll be in the saying? summer league this year. If his brother's playing in the NBA, he's he's is not his brother? playing in Indiana. He's not who's, getting a whole lot of minutes. Who's seen him? Who's seen him? I've seen him. I don't know if anybody's seen him. Can somebody check Molly? Can we check All right, all right. All right. This isn't this isn't Duke versus UNC radio, so we're gonna have to move on to to other things. But with that being said, we're number two in the country. Okay, let me. Tommy Tommy's coming back in real quick. Yeah, I feel like we can't we can't forget about Nolan Noel what he was doing out in Kentucky. That dude, um, I feel like he's a new prototype for the for the NBA center. Athletic uh, can run the floor. Um, he had a fortunate ACL injury, but. Before that, I feel like he was the most dominant player in college basketball. So you can't forget about him. Okay, that that just got real spirited real quick, and I and I and I expected it to go there because when it comes to when it comes to Jay's Jay's Park Hills and um and his his uh innate hatred for Duke, um, <laughs> there there is no end, but. I'm, I'm going to attempt to be as objective as I can. Also, me being another Duke, another Duke guy. The the case for Mason Plumlee is is there. He has put his with Duke being number one in and out of out of the number one ranking. It it's it's fitting to to have Mason Plumlee at the top of the discussion, and the numbers are there. Um, when we played North Carolina State last 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 Thursday, we won 98-95. Mason had 30 and 10. Came back with another double double, put 19 and 10 on Boston College, and then came back in the North Carolina game that we just talked about with 18 and 11. He's become a an automatic double double and a serious force. I. I'm like Jason when it comes to um, having a preference for guards. Um, 
it's it, it's hard it's it's hard right because a case could be made for a few different people. Victor Oladipo, the kid from Indiana, he has been he's been amazing thus far. I mean, without him, uh, you know, they're they're not they're not considered a title contender. He's he's made he's given them that edge, um, and you know he's been playing well. He he scored I think uh, double digits in six of his last games, including two perform two games with with twenty or more. Uh, he's been extremely impressive recently and from the beginning. Um, he's only shot below 50% from the floor once in his last eight games. I mean, he's really hot. And his teammate, Cody Zeller, should be considered as well, I think, in terms of the third national player of the year. I think I'm going – based on what I've seen, based on what I know, Michigan, they took two big losses this past week, right? I mean, they in that overtime game with Wisconsin last Saturday, that is probably one of the better college basketball games of the season so far. Uh, they lost 65-62 in overtime. He had 19 points on 21 shots. But Trey Burke, to me, um, is the national player of the year. And also, with, which I, I think it goes in line with the MVP discussion too, right? Because – we're very close to March, but there's still some time for, say, a Doug McDermott to put his team back up in the in the polls. I mean, they've fallen tremendously on the on the coaches' poll rankings. I think they're 23 now or something. They started out in the top 10. They've dropped. They've been struggling recently, but he's he's still been pretty productive. He puts the team on his back. He may take a, a Steph Curry type of run in March for someone like him to to really win it, especially being at a mid major like Creighton. But but he's he's considered. Um, if I had to pick right now, again, I'm trying to be objective, but I think Mason Plumlee right now is making the best case as of today, right this minute. Strictly because the Duke is at number one, whether they whether they deserve to be or not, whether they're actually the best team top to bottom or not, they're number one right now, and it's it's largely because of Mason Plumlee uh, um, anchoring that that offense and that defense. I I will be the first to say I'm a Duke fan, but I I there are parts of Mason Plumlee's game that I don't necessarily appreciate. I I noted I I I too often notice the the shakiness that Jay alluded to the 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 travel calls the you know at times he seems a bit uncoordinated at you know as athletic a specimen as he is and he is a horse I mean he runs that floor like nobody's business at his size and his ability to catch and turn and he has polished his offensive game tremendously I mean the right hook uh, that's that's the most basic move you can learn as a post player but in terms of his his pivoting and his ability to create something off the block and be able to pass and repost and, and do all the things that a real polished post player does I'm not completely sold. As an NBA player, I, it's another discussion. I, I'd rather not go into it. But uh, like that said, as of right now, I think I think Mason Plumlee is making the strongest case. Um, but it will be interesting to see um, how how it goes, how it turns out going forward. Um, and just just as a side note, um, Joe Lenardi just said this morning, just announced this morning, his four number one seed for March, if it were to happen today. He has Indiana, Duke, Miami, and Florida. Florida. So and, and Florida, Florida is there, you know. So Florida should definitely be on the radar. And our, our friend Mike Rosario is down there, twenty twenty seven years old, doing his thing. Um, 
Yeah, Kansas too. Tommy just mentioned Kansas. They should be in it with Jeff Withy and, and uh, Relaford and, and Ben McLemore. Listen, Ben McLemore, he could he could have a dare I say a a Durant Mello esque freshman year type of coming out. And depending on what happened, he, he put thirty on uh, Kansas State the other night. They blew them out. He's the top prospect in the NBA draft since Nerlens Noel got hurt. Ben McLemore is projected to go number one, so he is he I, he's he's NBA ready as well. The, he's if you haven't seen Kansas play this year, and you want to see a good player who's NBA ready right now, um, Ben McLemore, the freshman from Kansas, is, is that's two guards in the country. It is pro, pro, very close. I would say him and Tim Hardaway Jr. from Michigan are are very close. And uh, Shabazz Muhammad also from from UCLA. He's he's terrific. And these are these are three NBA ready two guards, who uh, yeah, like Martin said, could be could be very very scary to see when for come March because they can get hot and they can put thirty thirty five up easily. So yeah. all right, good. Um, Anybody? Well, yeah, that's 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 good stuff. Um, with this, Shabazz Muhammad, it's unfortunate I haven't I haven't gotten to see him play enough. I feel like because the UCLA ceiling has kind of dropped. Pulls when they come in, they had the number one recruiting class, right? And and they've they've been up and down. I haven't gotten to see him, but from what I have seen and from what I know, he's he's supposed to be a, a special player. Um, all right, we're gonna go to commercial break and we're gonna come back and talk about um a little bit of hip hop and and a little bit of Grammys. and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. 
We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuff shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, numbers and win a couple games if they get in. So I would definitely keep them on the radar. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to switch gears now um, into our music segment. Um, fortunately, I have uh, I have co-hosts who are knowledgeable and competent in uh, in both areas. Um, uh, let me briefly just say the the blogs that this show is linked to. Um, the links you'll find in the description for the show. Um, the first link is basketballfeed.blogspot.com uh, for basketball, and the music blog is what we hear blogspot.com and the television and film blog is televisioncinema.blogspot.com. Um, so we're going to switch into our music portion now. We're going to open up uh, talking about the Grammys, hmm. um, uh, talk about some performances and, and some winners who, who won and, and shouldn't have won. Um, I want to start out by talking about, uh, and we, we were just talking about this earlier, uh, Justin Timberlake's uh, return to music. I was I was very much looking forward to uh seeing seeing JT come back to the scene. Um if anything else, this is a bad, bad white boy. And he has proven that um many times with many hits and I've always been impressed with um not only his musicianship, um, but his ability to um entertain and put on the show. I mean this this white boy can dance. Um and so he performed at the Grammys. He made his comeback. He released his uh, his single "Suit and Tie" with Jay Z. Performed um, the uh, another song that will that will be featured on his album, "The 2020 Experience," which I'm pretty sure is coming out this week, um, this Tuesday. Uh, so, did you see did you see JT's performance? I saw JT's performance. He uh, he's he's tremendous. He's uh, he's one of the most talented people of uh, our era in music, um, and entertainment, and. Uh, who else could have been on that song with him besides the man himself? Just hope to God. Who else could have, who else, who else was smooth enough to hop on the track with with, with Justin Timberlake and uh, True. and just and, and swag it all the way out? True. That was that was awesome. Um, Justin Timberlake is is one of the beasts of music, and and he hasn't been in the musical spotlight in a while, so it, it, it's kind of eerie when you think about the the real pop stars of our of our of our time here over the last, you know, 10 years. You would have to put Justin Timberlake right up on that list with the, you know, the Beyoncé's and, and and people of that that magnitude. So, it was it was good to see him back. I think he did a great job. He didn't look too rusty. Um and he uh he sounded good, pretty good. Um, the Grammys had a lot of good. The Grammys had a lot of good performances, though. We, we, we. I know. I know. We're going to talk about the Miguel Wiz Khalifa duo. Um, I think a lot of us could have done without Wiz and his terrible hair and terrible suit. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't talk too much because this suit probably cost more than my whole wardrobe. But we, we, we that's all right, though. I mean, you got to look all right in it, right? Yeah. Terrible idea. Ter- yeah, Miguel. Yeah, well, yeah, Miguel no, looked, yeah, looked who terrible. else thought Miguel was? Was tremendous. He sounded. He was great. He, he sounds like the record. So I, I would, I would have to give him uh, a big, a big round of applause for that, for that performance. I just wish Wiz wasn't there so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lawrence, what did, Lawrence, what do you think of JT? I, I, I really like the new JT stuff. I think that, um, I mean, since, since, uh, I don't, I don't remember what year it was. I guess it was about '04 or '05 or something like that when Future Sex Love Sounds came out. And and that whole sound that he's doing specifically with Timberland, 
Yeah. yeah, which which I think is one of the one of the coolest collaborations in in all of pop music because it's like Timberland's gonna bring like that gritty almost hip hop like drums and 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 Justin does one have one of those like the one of those really distinguishable voices that like can can work with a beat like that and I think that their work they do together they um, another song came out <laughs> off Justin's new album called Mirrors. That um yeah. that actually uh it was produced by Timberland and it and it's that classic Justin and Timberland sound. It's that Cry Me a River, um what goes yeah. around sound all over again, which is which is always, always good. Um I, I I do agree with Jay with uh with um Justin having Jay Z on the song. I feel like I mean when you do something like that it has to be epic and that was and that was pretty epic. The the performance was cool, I mean I, I it's it's not like it was my favorite performance ever, but I I, I still do think it was very good and it's good for Justin. Yeah. I mean, he kind of he kind of so successfully worked his way into like an, an acting role that we kind of forgot that that's what he really does, and and right. it was good to see him come back out. Um, Jay mentioned um, Miguel at, at the Grammys, and I think that he was um, low key one of the biggest winners of the night. Not only in terms of awards, but the the publicity he got. I mean, this guy, like Martin said, we have the music blog going, and we we did a list of the top ten R and B albums of last year. And we ranked Miguel number two. And realistically, he he could have. You can make a case to say that he was the number one. I mean, he his album was phenomenal. This guy is a very very good singer. He's a talented songwriter. He's a good musician. He 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 brings he brings a lot into the picture. Um, I think Kelly Clarkson she said it after he performed. She just like, she hadn't I even heard of him. Yeah, she she said I never heard of that guy before, but I need to work with him. Like that was that was yeah. some of the sexiest stuff I've ever seen, and that's really what it is. It's, it's yeah. that it's that weekend almost. Oh, well, I, I I would personally put him over the weekend, but it's that like weekend type of like sex sound that that he really does. That's like I mean. It's it's good. It's good. I, I, it's really good. Um, okay. So, big, big picture. Are, are you, you ready to are you, are you ready to immerse Justin, Justin Timberlake into the mold of and then we'll I'll let Tommy into this first. Are we ready to immerse JT back into the role of because I mean let's be honest here. His competition is Miguel, Frank Ocean. You know, Usher is still around. You've got the Weekend out here. I mean, you know, you've got R and B really evolving, um, and so, you know, with, with JT me, uh, uh, getting back to Timberland, I think, is genius, and he's he's producing the whole 2020 experience, from what I understand, so that is clearly an advantage, but are, Tommy, are you ready to accept J- Justin Timberlake into your, into your R&B, into your R&P play, uh, playlist again? Um, first off, I want to just start this off by saying, I don't watch... I don't watch much TV outside of basketball or sporting events, I did not watch the Grammys. I did catch a pick of uh, Katy Perry in that green dress, and that is a that is a slamming woman. So that's what I got to say on the Grammys. Yes, as far as um, as far as the uh, Justin Timberlake goes, you know, I mean, I got to see the internet mix in my car right now, uh, Zoom tie, and I'm playing it with a lady friend the other day, and she's, I mean, the song, you know, you know, starts off Justin's voice, you know, he takes it in. And um, she started liking the song a little too much, you know, where she's, like, kind of visualizing, like, Justin Timberlake in the head, I feel. And I'm like, 
don't know if I like this guy anymore. So, I mean, yeah, Justin's a bad dude. He's back on the scene, man. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm feeling him anymore. <laughs> as as I said when we started, um, Tommy Tommy Hill is, is a unique individual with unique perspectives. Um, but but we appreciate it more than anything else. If I if I could, if I could just if I could swiftly move to, to the topic I really want to get to at hand, and that's Frank Ocean. Um, I want to talk about Frank's performance. Um, if I may provide just some brief criticism. I, at, at surface level, I thought Frank did uh, 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 only what Frank could do, um, and that will come back to my, to my last point on his performance. But initially, let me just say, when he started this, he almost ruined it for me. When he he started the song, he sang the the, the Forrest Gump. He came. The visuals were exceptional. Yeah. He came out. He had the backdrop with the with yeah. The, that was really the cool. Road and that the, was really cool. You know that every the visual aspect was exceptional. I'm waiting. You know he starts the song, and you know the song starts on the lower octave going up. So it's I want to see your come come. He starts the song going up. And then it's going down. down. So, so he starts. starts. I'm going to see you. It, 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 it was like backwards. It was like inverse vocals. And it's for me. Yeah. And it, 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 it all messed it up. But once he got to the middle part, and, and you know, his vocals are so strong that you're immediately you're captivated because he, he evokes that kind of emotion with his voice. But in terms of the keys he was in, I, I would have rather him just sang the song the way it is on the album, the way he usually performs it. Um, like I said, I didn't have a problem with it, but taking it to the end of the performance, if you caught it, only Frank Ocean could do what he did at the end of this performance. And what, what was it? I think the last few lines, he, he takes the microphone off and he whistles. No, yeah, he does. Whistles the last part of the song. Yeah, he which does. For me, kind of negated any prior criticism I had because <laughs> Only Frank Ocean could whistle a song at the end and walk off the stage with that kind of swagger. Yeah, I mean, that I, I just thought that was that was the coolest thing, and it was so Frank Ocean. Yeah, and yeah. I love that part about it. So, are you good with his performance? I I think that I, I did really like the performance. I mean, I, I it definitely wasn't Frank's best performance we've ever seen. Right. I think no. that. Um, him doing thinking about you at the uh, at this year's uh, past year's uh, VMAs was phenomenal. Um, I think that his uh, the night before his album released, he was on. Um, I want to say it was late night with Jimmy Fallon. He did do the Saturday Night Live performance as well, but the night before the album came out, I'm pretty sure he was on Jimmy Fallon. That was the first time I had heard Bad Religion in. In church, he went to church. I mean, he yeah. he did exactly what Frank Ocean does, and I think that I think that he could have chose a better song to do at the Grammys than Forrest Gump. I get the idea of it, and I'm not saying that Forrest Gump is a bad song because it is. It is very catchy. It's a it's a good song. It's well written. It's a cool idea. But I think that um, I think that he had a lot of songs on his album that were a lot stronger than Forrest Gump that could have grabbed more attention. Now, maybe he wasn't necessarily looking for that. He wasn't necessarily looking to get, like, the mass appeal. He was just kind of trying to do, like, which is a, a, a part of Frank Ocean that we have to endear to it because, right. like, he, he, he's obviously not necessarily in it to, to be the biggest star ever. He, like, kind of doesn't have that ego. He's kind of like a shy, like, um, almost introverted, he seems. And so I, I, I do understand it. I, 
But I did really like the whistling at the end. He, he did that on the actual record, and I felt like to emulate that live was, was very cool and Frank Ocean-esque. And I think that um, I getting to his – I want to talk about his album really quick for a second. I, I think that um, – I mean, a lot of music critics would agree with me uh, saying that uh, Channel Islands is the best album to come out of 2012. It, I, I feel like it's – I mean, it's certainly not a unanimous decision. There were a lot of other good albums. I mean – the the Mumford album actually won best album of the year and uh, we had other albums that that definitely could be considered Kendrick's album dropped late but that that right. that yeah. is in the top still because that did drop in 2012 even though it wasn't in Grammy consideration um, but I I do think that he got snubbed a bit in terms of actually in in terms of actual awards because you you see he had the, he was nominated for album of the year but that actually went to Mumford so then they kind of almost created a category for him with best urban contemporary album. And right. and that's the and that's the actual category he won. And I think that they were doing that to say like our right, he deserves Grammy recognition but we're just not ready to give him album of the year, which I, I have an issue with to an extent. Um I don't know if anybody else has a take on that, but um what do you think I'm about not that? Completely familiar with the Mumford album, but I I trust your judgment enough to tell me that Channel was better. I, I strongly believe so. I strong I I think that the, through the entire album, I mean there's there's a running narrative almost. I mean it's not as as much of a running narrative as like a Kendrick Lamar album where it's like a short film, but it's it, there's there's theme songs and they're really intricate thoughts. I mean what separates Frank Ocean and and a lot of people will tell you this is his songwriting. He um he writes very personal, very emotional um songs but he he uses very obscure references and it, like his storytelling ability is phenomenal it's, it's unmatched it's, it's unmatched i think it, i think he's one of the best in the game at actually telling a story and so real quick he did say at the grammys that he's knee deep into his second album and he plans on going to shanghai to write it for two years that that's frank ocean that, that's mean, frank ocean that's, in, a, yeah, in a nutshell in a nutshell that's, that's frank, frank ocean. ocean that's frank ocean what do you think about it jay He's a, uh, I, I agree as well. I love that Frank Ocean album. Um, it was complete. And when I say complete, I mean there's really no song on there that you can, you would actually skip, right? Unless you've heard it, you know, ten times through already. Um, as far as the performance went, was I the only one waiting for it to to pick up a little bit? I just felt like it was. It was a little slow, especially for the particular song that he was singing. Um, it, it he he has a presence about him, which makes his performances that much better. Um, and I was just waiting for it to pick up. I was just waiting for him to give us a little bit more energy. And the song itself is pretty energetic at times. So that was that would be my only my only critique of the whole performance. Um, but the guys, he's a different, he's a, he's a different dude. He's, he's, he's very, he's, he's a typical, uh, uh, successful artist and to where they're just different people. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him for winning a Grammy. I think if he wouldn't have gotten anything this year, uh, that would have just been idiotic. So, um. I hated that they put him in that little category with Miguel and Chris Brown, who was sick to his Agreed. stomach. But um, 
But uh, yeah, I Frank Frank's a Frank's a different type of mind to bring on, and uh, he's he's very good. So I I did like the performance though. I think that was really good. Okay, um, so we're gonna we're gonna switch not completely switch gears, but uh, we're gonna just go dive right into hip hop right now. I did ask my co-host to come in with their top 10 rappers in hip-hop right now. And I, I sincerely hope I, I made it clear enough that they have any and all active rappers, whether or not they're working right now. But as long as they're active, then they're fair game. So um, I hope to um, kind of wrap up our, our, our first show. Um, we're going to do a little TV movie segment for the last few minutes um, where I'm just going to go on and completely unleash on NBC for, for crushing my heart once again. But um, real quick, we're going to dive into hip-hop. So um, I'm going to start with Tommy Hill. Tommy Hill, top 10 rappers as of right now. Top 10 rappers as of right now, not in any order. I'm going to just take that off the top of my head. My favorite rapper is Wale. I know you guys are going to dispute that. I know you don't got I mean, lots of it don't get me right there. So, that I'm going to put in there. I'm going to put in, uh, as of right now, actually, we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to put the, the new young kid, Joey Badass, in there. I'm going to put, I'm going to put Kanye West just because, uh, Jay-Z just because, Nas just because, um, Nas just had a banging album that he just put out the beginning of the, uh, a few months back. But um, who else I got? From Ross in there, Meek Mill, uh, G. be trying to get ratchet. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna put Future in there. To be honest, I just came out. Turn on the lights. First of all, first of all, Future is Ratchet and Blues. Future is, not, Future is not a rapper, and he is not, and he is not a singer. He is Ratchet and Blues. <laughs> yeah, turn up. If you trying to turn up. Um. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna put two chains in there too. I forgot. No chains in there. No chains in there. <laughs> I mean, I got a different mindset, so I mean, I listen to music according to what I'm trying to do. Now, I mean, I, I like to turn up, and I like to get serious at times, so I got to mix the book. Okay. I want to go to Lawrence, but first, I do want to get my top 10 list real quick because I want to get I want to get reactions, and I want to I want to compare what I have to what what the other guys have. So, so this was this was tough for me. I have a lot of thoughts out here, but I think I have a top ten list that I am comfortable with saying that these are the ten best rappers we have right now, and this is in order from the bottom up. So at ten, I'm gonna put my good friend Nate Thomas's favorite rapper of all time, Drizzy Drake Rogers, at number ten. Um, I think Drake belongs at ten. I don't think he belongs any higher than ten because the guys I have above him, I feel, are at, as of right now. I feel they are better rappers in terms of lyricism, in terms of delivery, all the things. In terms of artists, I have Drake higher up. I won't lie. But if we're talking about top ten rappers, I'm putting Drake at the bottom of the poll. At nine, I got Super Girl. 
um, because he deserves to be there. I'm going to go J. Cole
like you said about his lyrical content, it is it is as profound and enlightening as any other rapper I've ever heard. Um, number four, I'm going to have to say is um, Ab Soul. I think that Ab Soul is uh, what he offers is is ridiculously good. I think that I mean if, if anybody listens to Ab Soul Control System was one of the best rap albums of 2012. I'm I'm very confident standing behind that saying that it was. Argue probably top three rap albums of 2012. Okay. Um, at number three, we're gonna go with um, we're gonna go with Kanye. I think that um, what he's done in the last few years has been just as brilliant as what he used to do. I mean, you like Martin said, you know what you're gonna get from Kanye, and he's, and he's everything. He, he, if there was if this was an all-time list, I would probably go out on a limb and say Kanye is my favorite rapper ever in terms of who I actually relate to and what what he actually means to music from my point of view. Um, number two right now I'm going to say is, um, is number two right now I'm going to say is Kendrick. I'm going to say Kendrick is number two right now. I think that his album his album last last year was was unmatched. I mean, it was the best rap album. But my number one pick right now, and it may sound a little crazy, and, and it's probably reaching because he hasn't done much, but I still feel like the little bit he has done, you just cannot overlook his 103,000. I, I think that he is he is literally one of the best rappers to ever do it. And, and the verse he put on T.I.'s album, the verse he put on Frank Ocean's album, like He's absolutely killed it, and I yeah. think that you you cannot. And I, and I know you got it. Yeah. I mean, Kendrick is probably hotter than three K, so he should be one. But I feel like you just like three K is a god. Kendrick's a living legend. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he's he's supposed to have an album coming out later this year too. Yes, he is. He is, which I, I'm very much looking forward to. But yeah, um, all right, mine sounds a little different. Um, at number ten, I'm gonna take the the hardest working man in the business, and that's currency, the hot spitter. Um, I'm gonna have to put I, I have to put him in my top ten. This guy releases mixtapes every few months, and and out of the three or four that he'll release every year, um, one of them is okay. The other one's pretty good, and then he always has a gym in there somewhere, and. Uh, He's, he's tremendous. So I'll have to put him at ten. Um, at nine, I'm gonna have to go with the most entertaining rapper in hip hop, the man Two Chainz. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't deny what he adds to the rap in music. Period. He is, he is entertaining as it comes, and you know, you know, you everybody know when I'm different. Come on, you. Uh, Pull out to the scene with my boots on. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to put two chains at nine. Um, I'm gonna actually. This is gonna sound so bad, but I'm gonna put Andre 3K at at eight, mainly because he hasn't released an album of his own in the last couple of years. But he's if, if it was an all-time list, he would be a lot higher. Sure. Um, at at seven, I'm gonna go with uh. Mr. Nazir Jones, um, strictly off of off of prior damage in the new album that he put out. I I thought it was good. Um, you know, he's not gonna make another Illmatic album, so stop looking for it. But it, it was it was terrific. Yeah, I am, and he's very good. 
Um, at six, I'm going to have to go with the kid Absol, and it, it hurts me so to put him at six. I just think that there's people out there that have a little bit more workout than he does and and that probably deserve a little bit more recognition, but he's climbing extremely fast. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to what he's coming out with this year. Um, at number five, I'm gonna have to go with the with the young man, uh, Joey Badass out of out of Brooklyn, New York, who is a wizard. He's a wizard. He's 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 scary because he shouldn't be this young and rapping the way he does. If you haven't heard anything from Joey Badass, you you don't like hip hop, possibly. Um, so you he's he's a wizard. He he's he's tremendous. Um, at four, I'm gonna go with J Electronica. Call me J Electronica, J Elect Yamaka, the 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 old head. He's he's like 35. He's like old. He's very old, but he's been through it all, and uh, he's rapping with a purpose. And uh, it's five minutes left. Hey, you gotta you gotta know that he's there. All right, so um, then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jay Z at three. I'm gonna go Kendrick at two. And I'm gonna put the man Yeezy at one. Um, Kanye is 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 he's been the he's been the LeBron James of hip hop the last like few years. Anything that he does is is gold. Um, he's he's taken his influence from rap into other avenues such as fashion and things like that. And he's a global icon at this point. And he is he is one of the driving forces of rap music as a machine in this in this world. So I'm going to have to go with Kanye at, at number one over the past two years. Well, that's, um, that, those are, those are four very different lists. Um, and then no little Wayne. Yeah. I was, I was going to touch on who some notables that were on nobody's list. No Rick Ross, no Wayne, um, no Wiz Khalifa. Um, did you say Rick Ross, Tommy? You did say Rick Ross. Okay. Um, my list was a little cute. <laughs> well, I will say this: we will we will uh, revisit our list, and I'm sure uh, some of our guys will will uh, revise their list a little bit, and we'll come back to it the next time we meet on the collective and uh, have a little more in depth uh, discussion on the atmosphere of hip hop, um, uh, and and we'll talk some more about that the next time we meet. Um, with the last three minutes, um, we didn't get to. Uh, first of all, we we started out with some feedback issues, but we worked through it. I think we smoothed it out. Um, as we started out, um, this was again the first, the very first pilot episode for the collective. Um, I'm the host, Martin Soyes, my co host, Tommy Hill, Lawrence Reels, and Jason Reels. I couldn't be happier or more um, appreciative um, or grateful to have them here with me. And um, without them, this wouldn't be a possibility. I want to thank Rafika Soyes again um, for her support and encouragement. And um, to wrap up, I want, I'm going to take these last two minutes and 56 seconds to completely unleash on um, the NBC television network. After all, um, this show is supposed to cover um, some aspects of television and film. I was going to go into a little synopsis about the whole uh, the Django movie and um, talk about uh, uh, Robert Brown's article about, about race and how we, how we use the N-word in 2013, but that, we'll save that for another show. Um, as, as, as my co-hosts know, I love my... As my, as my co-hosts know, I love my... My uh, my TV shows. I watch I watch a few different shows on a few different networks. Um, uh, my my guys uh, they 
they make fun of me for watching NBC show Heroes, which was canceled, I mean, years ago. I, it's completely past an afterthought now. No one even talks about it. Um, but it, 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 here's, here's where I'm here, I'll make this very quick and very brief. NBC started a show called Deception a few weeks ago. I wrote a, a, a post about it, about the debut. I haven't watched the show yet, but I don't have to, and that's for one reason. The main character for this show is Megan Good. And the plot for this show is she plays a detective who's supposed to infiltrate this wealthy and corrupt family who has killed one of her friends, and they got away with it. So she's infiltrating, and she's this detective. Like, okay, so NBC takes a gamble with Megan Good. And as I wrote on the blog, they were doomed from the start because this isn't this isn't a 50-cent video or waste of peace. This is, this is a major television network looking to get ratings against and, and God, look at the competition. You have two shows on ABC, Scandal and Revenge, that are enjoying ex- extreme su- success. Both are female-oriented shows. And so you understand NBC's approach trying to compete, but you take Megan Good, you're not going to go anywhere. Much likely a second season. So I'm looking at how the show is doing, but I think it has three episodes now. I'm looking at articles that say that deception is gasping for air, that it's barely surviving. And basically what I'm coming down to is we we don't need to look any further than my blog post to understand that the show was doomed from the start and Megan Good was not a live candidate for a major network television show. This was here to FX. I started the Americans, Lawrence. I told you to start watching that show, and I'm going to tell you again to start watching that show. Um, you got some Megan Hart there? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I haven't picked that up yet, but I heard the second season is now good. That show was creepy, man. Yeah, it would probably creep me out, but um, I heard the second season is now good. But The Americans comes on Wednesday nights at 10 o'clock on FX. It just aired their third episode this past week. Um, it's phenomenal. It's edgy. The acting is great. There's a historical context, which I really appreciate. Um, and that's a great show. So that's the end of this first episode of The Collective, and we're, and we're done. Yeah, I think just went down. Uh, we can, we can, we can, we can, are we going to be kicked out of the studio? <laughs> 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 All right, there.